Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by recruiting analyst Jared Hollis here for BeaversEdge.com. We're back with a National Signing Day slash LA Bowl edition of the podcast. It's arguably the beaver, the busiest week uh, for Oregon State in some time, and very busy right here at Beaver's Edge as well. We're happy to bring you another edition of the podcast, and want to welcome in uh, Jared Hollis. Jared, how are you doing, my man? You uh, you staying sane over there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. You talk about it being busy. Um, we we just just flipped the uh, the front page for for content for the day. Um, yep. For for anybody who doesn't know what that means, just means that we've posted enough stories today just to to fill up the entire front page. So it definitely has been busy, and uh, you know more to, more to come. Uh, you know on signing day for sure. A very busy time for Oregon State, as we mentioned, as they've got national signing day tomorrow. It's the early or it's the early window period. Jared and I are recording this podcast on a Tuesday night for Wednesday, so we're kind of parlaying all this. But we first, Jared, have to start with the news that broke just as we were about to record this podcast. Jonathan Smith sending shockwaves across uh, Beaver Nation as he uh, removes the interim tag from Trent Bray's uh, defensive coordinator title. He will be the full-time defensive coordinator. I'm just curious what your initial reaction is, Jared. We'll uh, obviously break it down and kind of get into what it means, especially uh, on the recruiting trail, as I know you have a couple thoughts there. But did this surprise you? I know you and I kind of have been answering this in Beaver's Edge mailbags for uh, the first, you know, last couple weeks, I should say, kind of saying that we thought Trent Bray was still the leader in the clubhouse, but that, you know, Jonathan Smith would probably do his due diligence. And, heck, Jared, they landed in L.A., Tuesday evening and within an hour of landing, here's the news. Yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely some huge news. I mean, the defensive coordinator role is, is a huge one. Um, and, you know, since, since he's, he's had that interim tag, he's been doing a, a really good job. And kind of like you said, we've been kind of been predicting this for a while. Um, and I think, I think it's ultimately what's best for the program. I feel like the way that the, the search was conducted just with the timing of everything and the kind of lack of newsy things happening kind of pointed to this being the most realistic possibility. And here we are. I'm, I'm excited to, to see what he's going to be able to do, especially with the timing of it, you know, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Without a doubt. And I want to go ahead and read the, the quick quotes from uh, Jonathan Smith and Trent Bray uh, from the press release. Uh, this coming from Coach Smith. Uh, coach Bray has proven himself to be the coach that I want to lead our defense moving forward. He has the confidence, leadership qualities, and passion to make Oregon State better on the field and off. And then from Trent Bray, I'm humbled and honored to be named the Oregon or defensive coordinator at Oregon State. I love this place. I love the student athletes, and I'm privileged to work with every day. I'm excited to work with our great coaching staff to help us get better every day. I want to thank Scott Barnes, and Coach Smith, for believing in me for this opportunity. Jared, the thing that sticks out to me right away from, from Jonathan Smith's quote is that last part. He has the confidence, leadership qualities, and passion to make Oregon State better on the field and off. That's Trent Bray in a nutshell, and you got to give him credit for being him uh, those final three games of the season because he was him and he was authentic. And you could tell the players, you know, obviously responded to that, and you could tell he fit right in at home in that position. Yeah, I remember remember that being a big point that you were making, you know, kind of when when the move first happened and, and he moved into that interim role was just the, the energy that he brings to the table. 
um, it's contagious for, for, you know, the coaches and the players and, and definitely the recruits as well. So happy to hear that. And I think he's going to be super successful as long as he stays true to that. Without a doubt. And, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, you know, the, the good and the bad. And, and I think it's interesting, Jared, do you, wh- what do you think made Jonathan Smith maybe arrive at this decision with kind of the, the two game sample size against Stanford and Arizona state that looks pretty good. And then the game against Oregon, that was maybe not so good. You know, there were a whole lot of reasons for why Oregon state didn't play very well or perform very well down at Austin stadium, but the defense didn't play particularly great that day. Sure. What does it say about the confidence or rather I should say, what is, what kind of a message does it send to the team ahead of signing day? And I should say prospective players, what kind of message is it sent to recruits and then the defense itself that you announced this days before the, like a day before signing day and just days before the bowl game? Well, to that point, I mean, make no mistake. Uh, I don't think this was necessarily the plan for Jonathan Smith and, and Oregon State right when the vacancy became available. I think it was kind of a wait and see type of thing. Obviously, you know, when you, when you fill someone in in the interim, typically this happens when they perform well. Um, heck, I think, I think just the, the most recent example I can think of is like Coach, coach O at LSU. Great I, think point. He was a, I think he was an interim coach uh, for a few games. And, you know, when you hear from the players and you can tell that there's a lot of positivity in the locker room because of what's going on with that certain coach, then you certainly have to give them a better look. And then, you know, holding Stanford to, to 14 and Arizona State to 10 in his first two games definitely, definitely helped his case. I have a feeling at that point is when they started the negotiations for everything. Um, and then, you know, the or, Oregon is, is, is a good football team. Um, and, you know, while they have their, their flaws and while I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that Oregon State should have given up 38 points to them, that's not a reason why you look at somebody and say, okay, you're no longer capable for this job. I think, uh, you know, it's a majority rules type of thing. And right. uh, I think at the end of the day, a lot of what it comes down to is just that Jonathan Smith believes in Trent Bray. And uh, he's got a chance to prove himself for sure. Yeah, I found it interesting. You know, I, I've always said, Jared, you know, Jonathan Smith is a little coy sometimes when it comes to the media. He keeps his cards close to the vest. And, you know, we talked to him, you know, on Saturday. And it was interesting because he got asked, you know, kind of about Trent Bray and the defensive coordinator. And at the time, he was like, you know, we really got the vibe and kind of the, the notion that they were going to wait until the end of the season to kind of evaluate everything and kind of make a decision from there. So, in that respect, I find the timing a bit interesting. But with that, I think it's all good timing-wise. I don't think it's bad in any regard for the reasons you just mentioned. I think it reaffirms to your defensive recruits that the the scheme within uh, maybe a few tweaks here and there, the system, the coaching staff, it's still pretty much what you committed to, you know, even though it's just Tim Tibisar not there. Still, as you knew, Jared, there were some guys who did commit, and Tim Tibisar was their primary recruiter on this defense. Right, and I mean the the, the message at that point is that you commit to a school, not a coach. Right. And, you know, obviously, I mean USC is a great example of this. Um, a lot of times, that doesn't end up being the case. Uh, you'll see some really, really huge turnover in recruiting classes based on staff changes. But mm-hmm. 
I, I think it's the same for the players as it is for for what I think Coach Smith saw was just they see. I mean, if it was a thing where they were not making any visible improvements and then this decision was still made, sure, you might you might see a few changes at that point. But there's no reason for these recruits to not believe in Trent Bray, and I think they're uh, they're going to be excited. Um, you know, going back to the the high energy thing, I'm sure he certainly went into some houses for these past two weeks and just sold himself as good as he can. And I, and I would imagine that Coach Smith was there next to him doing the same thing. So I think uh, I think it's a really good hire, and I'm honestly really starting to to love the way the the, the staff is looking. I mean, I, I just look at it, and it feels like where there maybe was some some weaknesses before those are kind of starting to erase themselves. Obviously we'll see what happens with that linebacker spot, but right. I mean, coach blues had a good cycle. Coach Stewart has been fantastic in his short time with the program. Coach M is, is coach M man. I mean, you know, that guy's consistent as ever in Oregon state's offensive line has been uh, just incredible this year. And uh, you know, from, from head to toe, really, I mean, coach Leggy also has had a good cycle. I mean, we can go on and on. Yeah. Coach Doctor, I mean, all the guys—they've they, all been—they've all been crushing it, and uh, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about who's leading the charge at Oregon State. Without a doubt, and you know, I, I just to kind of put a bow tie in this conversation, I think you made some great points, Jared, and most importantly, kind of brought up the linebackers coach because that's been another another big time question for us. You know, getting asked on the damn board. Don't count out Kendrick Van Ockeren, uh getting that job on a permanent basis too. Um, you know, with this, Jared, it seemed like. I'm not going to say, you know, finality or anything like that, but just with Trent Braid being elevated in-house, I think that's something the Beavers potentially might look to right away. Um, you know, Van Ockren obviously got promoted to that job um, after being a, a defensive graduate assistant coach. And at this point, it'd be interesting to see if that's kind of Trent Bray's decision, Jonathan Smith's decision. And, you know, I, I think that's just another potential point to look at there as they start to, figure out what they want to do with the linebackers coach. But again, congrats to Trent Bray getting the interim tag removed. The former Oregon state standout finally gets to run uh, his defense uh, in Corvallis. But as we mentioned before, that was the breaking news. We've got to get into national signing day so we can all ultimately get ahead to uh, look ahead to the LA bowl, which uh, Beaver's edge will be at. Make sure to stay and stick with beaversedge.com all week as we'll have signing day coverage. We'll have live coverage from down in LA over the weekend. So it's definitely going to be your nonstop shop. Jared, let's start by going through this recruiting class. Oregon State's got 16 commitments. We'll work from earliest commitment date to soonest and just kind of give a couple thoughts uh, that we have on each of the guys as it currently stands. Again, right now, Oregon State's got 16 commitments. As of recording this podcast, they rank 47th. Uh, just first off, Jared, if that number kind of hangs around where it is, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good area for where um, where they've been maybe the past couple of years. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we, we've got a lot of content, uh, you know, surrounding that tomorrow, um, and you know, we we've kind of talked about it on the board and, and other pieces leading up to tomorrow uh, or today. The time everyone's hearing this again, we're recording on a, on a Tuesday before signing day. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a great spot to be in right now. Um, last year's class was definitely an anomaly just in terms of size. And they've responded in a, in a really great way. You could see the, the improvement in the 2020 class for sure, just ranking wise. And, and obviously uh, the, the impact that, that a lot of those players have started and will continue to make. 
And I expect the same from from this 2022 class. I mean, obviously it's going to take some time, but there's some uh, there's some gamers in this class for sure, and, and the ranking proves that. Without a doubt, we got to start with maybe the biggest gamer of the class. He was the first four-star linebacker, Melvin Jordan from Clearwater, Florida. Jared, what do you like most about uh, Mr. Jordan? Yeah, I mean, before I get into that, I just want to say one thing regarding the star situation. You're going to hear us talk about these guys' stars a lot over the next few days. Um, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come out and say there, there's a lot of dudes that I think could be rated a little bit higher, and uh, you know whether or not it happens. It I'll piggyback really off that. I'll piggyback yeah. off that. Whether or not it ha happens, um, it doesn't really matter. But if you're an Oregon State fan, go watch these kids' films. Go watch, you know, go go read their stats. Look at our following the future piece and just see the things that these guys do week in week out on the field, and you'll be sure to be excited if you weren't already. Uh, but Melvin is definitely a, a great player, and he deserves all four of those stars that he has next to his name. Obviously, his his recruitment was was pretty interesting, the way it unfolded, and a lot of people were concerned that Oregon State wasn't going to be able to hang on, especially since he committed relatively early. Um, obviously, like you said, being the, the icebreaker for the class. So I'm happy that they've got to this point. Um, just more credit to the staff for being able to keep him in the fold and uh, – He's definitely a great player. If you look at that offer list, then uh, you'll, you'll have no debate with that. No doubt. And I think the most intriguing thing to me about Melvin Jordan was just the way that it started. And like you said, Jared, the fact they were able to hang on to him the whole time, he's an incredibly talented linebacker. And I think he's one of the guys that has a real chance to see the field early. And again, we'll get into that uh, with all of our content on signing day. But more than anything else, to start your class off, I know we talked about stars, but to start your class off with a four-star I think it set the tone really for this class and to hang on to a guy that talented from across the country, uh, nonetheless, is extremely impressive to me. And I, I think he's going to be a tremendous addition. So moving right along uh, down the list, Damian Martinez running back from Louisville, Texas, Jared at six foot, 220 pounds, a little bit bigger of a back than, uh, you know, maybe recently for Oregon state, but he, he, he he's he's special he's 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 got that it factor yeah and if i'm not mistaken uh he's a track star as well so yep. <laughs> talk, yep. about that, talk about having that combo of size and speed Goodness that's absolutely gracious. what he's getting with martinez man i mean just going back to what i was saying about looking at these guys stats and their film you'll, mm. you'll have to pick your job off the floor after watching damian martinez i mean he a lot of people pointed out on the damn board that he he did get a bump to a 5.7 uh, which was very much deserved. And you can certainly make an argument that it even should have gone higher than that. Um, but he's, he's turning heads already. And I certainly expect that to continue once he gets to Oregon state. Yeah. He's got a real chance to kind of be that next great Oregon state running back. And, you know, you talk about the impact Jared, I tell you what, when you have uh, a season like Oregon state's uh, offensive line had and Jim Halchek not going anywhere and you're seeing what uh, Oregon state's been able to do with, Michael Petrie and Jamar Jefferson to A.J. Stewart, now B.J. Baylor and Deshaun Fenwick. Oregon State's a good place to come be a running back. So I know uh, Damian Martinez is uh, definitely excited to get to Corvallis, and Oregon State's definitely excited to have him. So moving right along uh, up to the quarterback spot, Travis Throckmorton from Simi Valley, California, the six foot one, 193-pounder. Jared, what do we need to know about Travis? Yeah, Travis is a guy who would, who would definitely have uh, more offers – on his list had he not committed when he did. He was really starting to hit his stride, um, 
kind of around that time he committed, as as you all probably remember. California had a, a late season. They kind of did the, the spring football thing. Um, so he really started to turn some heads just at the beginning of this year. And uh, it wasn't until then that a lot of schools started to take notice. Of course, Oregon State, as they've done in the past, did a good job getting in early and, and, uh, and being able to, to lock down his commitment. He was putting up some fantastic numbers before he suffered a, a slight knee injury, um, which kind of put him out basically for the rest of the season. But a lot to be excited about with him, man. He's a great kid, um, great, great pass thrower, uh, and just really, really good quarterback that I think absolutely could find himself in the starting role one day at Oregon State. I mean, he just sounds like a quarterback. Travis Throckmorton, right? I mean, he, he just sounds like – that's a cool name for a quarterback. I like it. No, he's, he's definitely a real talented kid. And, you know, you talk about Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren, you know, being able to, you know – you know, trying to kind of mold that quarterback kind of recruiting pipeline into kind of who they, you know, the strong kind of steady diet of guys they want to get in. You talk about how excited they were last year, Jared with Sam Bidlack and, you know, very excited with what Travis is going to bring to the position uh, this next year. So very talented kid coming in again from Simi Valley, California, but the guy that might be hiking on the ball in a couple of years uh, up next, Dylan Lopez, the uh, center from Bradenton, Florida, really more from California, Jared. Tell us a little bit more about Dylan Lopez. I mean, anytime you can get someone from, from IMG Academy, you know you're doing something. Big time. Yeah. Uh, that that offensive line, just speaking in, in high school terms, is probably one of the best in the country. And uh, and Dylan Lopez certainly played a, a really big role in that. I mean, six foot three, 275 pounds. He's got the size to do the job. And uh, – I think he's going to be a really, really good addition. Another really awesome guy, fantastic to talk to, um, which is which is equally as important as the, the the talent that they bring on the field, man. you got to have the camaraderie and that culture in the locker room, and I think Dylan is going to be a great representation of the school, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to, to get on that field early as well. Yeah, with his, with his talent and just the fact that, you know, a center position, you know, you kind of see guys kind of are either – you're kind of – tailor-made to be center and you kind of look at what Delton Lopez is, is there for and you know you look at the Beavers obviously graduating Nathan Eldridge and Nooski Abunam this year and those guys were I believe handled just about every snap at center I want to say since 2019 uh somewhere along that line so you know center is always a position that's you know maybe a little underrated but can kind of be a really important part of the offensive line, not kind of is. So <laughs> I, I'm excited to see uh, how quickly kind of Dylan can work his way into the mix because Oregon State's got some talented offensive linemen, but you could definitely tell, Jared, that Coach Mahalchek and Coach Smith and the brass, they, they, they're really excited about Dylan Lopez. As they should be. He's definitely a, he's definitely a really good player. And, again, I think more, more than anything, he's going to be a great representation of, of the school. Without a doubt. Uh, moving right along uh, in our list, up next, uh, Carlos Mack, the defensive back from Clovis, California, six foot one, 178 pounds. Uh, another talented defensive back, Jared. You saw this year the Beavers really try to pursue some defensive backs. You and I kind of talked about it a little bit. We think it's for depth reasons, to improve the talent, and, and it started obviously uh, with Carlos Mack. Tell us a little bit more about him. Yeah, man, Mr. Mr. Underrated is what a lot of people would call him. And uh, another guy who's just a pleasure to talk to and, and a pleasure to be able to cover his recruitment throughout this whole thing. If uh, if you remember, if you've been on Beaver's Edge for a while, you saw 
our first story with him all the way back at kind of the, the middle of 2020 when he was starting to, to get some interest from Oregon State well before he had his offer. And, uh, you know, he continued to, to be a really, really nice recruit to talk to. Obviously, he was doing his thing on the football field as well, which ended up resulting in an offer for him at the middle of this year over the summer. And, uh, you know, similarly to the, to the way we see with a lot of these guys, he, he didn't waste any time, jumped on, a, jumped on his opportunity to become a piece of the class. And absolutely another guy who just versatile. He's a, he's a, a born playmaker, has some rough skill, going to obviously require some coaching, but he's going he's gonna to be someone I think that surprises people at Oregon State. Without a doubt, and you look at kind of the, the heights and weights of most of Oregon State's defensive backs, and they're relatively similar, and you kind of look at that, and you, you know the mold that Oregon State's looking for in their defensive back, and that's guys that are versatile enough to really play every position. That's what Blue Adams asked of his defensive backs. I mean, you look at this last year where, you know, Jaden Grant played all over the field, Rajon played all over the field, and so on and so forth. You know, that versatility, I think, is is something that, is extremely valuable to them on the recruiting trail. And Carlos absolutely epitomizes that for sure. Uh, moving along, Jacob Strand, the lone Oregonian in the class. You talk about last year where Oregon State took a handful of Oregonians, and they still might uh, come February uh, when we see uh, potentially more preferred walk-ons and things like that. But mm -hmm. as of now, the, the lone scholarship guy from Oregon, Jared, Jacob Strand, six foot five, 250 pounds. Coach, Coach Mahalchek definitely likes the frame. Uh, that Strand has, and I think he's got high potential. Yeah, man. Uh, a lot of people have asked that before is kind of what 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 is it that these guys are looking at when they're recruiting these offensive linemen? And uh, I think you kind of just hit it on the head. They definitely look for people who either have the the frame or already have been been kind of built into the the height and the weight that they want them to be at. Strand's a guy who's probably going to need to put on some more weight, and I, I would almost guarantee you he has since his Ravels profile has been updated. Um, Definitely. But, Somebody who can be an athletic tackle for Oregon State, which is always a big plus. Um, and, you know, like you said, an Oregonian, not sure whether or not he grew up a fan of the Beavers, but anytime you represent your home state, there's always that extra chip on your shoulder. Um, and that's what you want from, from your guys all over the field, but definitely on the offensive line, people that are playing with that chip on their shoulder. Without a doubt, and sticking uh, right close to home uh, and uh, on the offensive line and uh, just a state away, Luka Vincic up from uh, Bothell, Washington, six foot five, two hundred sixty pounds, uh, just 10, 10 pounds more than uh, Jacob Strand up from Bothell. Another guy that Jared, we followed his commitment, just really all in on Coach Mahalshek, and another guy who you can tell that message just resonated in a huge way. Yeah, man, and another. I'm, I'm going to say it a lot. Another really awesome. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oregon State definitely fought. For his commitment, they were they were com competing with some really good schools, mostly uh, Cal, but they were able to to overcome that. After some visits in June, he he officially made up his mind, and he's been locked in ever since. He's a guy, no no nonsense guy, really smart kid, and uh, someone who I think again has the potential uh, to to be good at Oregon State. Without a doubt, and uh, moving right along, Quincy Wright. Defensive tackle from Duncanville, Texas. Jared, I'm not going to lie. One of my favorite commitments, maybe my favorite commitment in the class, six foot five, 300 pounds, and it's really simple why. He's got the frame and body type to play immediately on Oregon State's defensive line, a position of need, 
And as I wrote about a couple weeks ago, this last year, Oregon State had one guy on that defensive line rotation who was over 300 pounds. Yeah, man, he's definitely a he's a big he's a big, big human. There's no no way around that. And Duncanville is probably one of the best schools in the country. Um, certainly one of the best schools in the state of Texas. Shout out Zariah Beeson. Shout out Zariah Beeson. Shout. I mean, we, that that list could go on and on. Obviously. No, it could. It could. It could for a while. You're right. Yeah, they, they, that, that's just like a a blue blood high school program, if you will. And uh, I mean, you know, you're doing something right again, kind of like IMG when you can land a guy from there. Obviously, this being a the what I guess second out of third year in a row that Oregon State has pulled a, a player from Duncanville. Um, so a heck of a job from from them to to go in there identify that that was a guy that they wanted another another guy who's pretty quiet keeps it close to the vest um, but had some some really strong offers from the SEC and from the Big Ten uh, so definitely a, a good pickup. What does it say, Jared? Just real quickly before we move on uh, from right, what is it a stretch to say this is one of if not Oregon State's best defensive tackle commitment under Smith, at least on paper. I would say so. I mean, it's definitely – Like purely from that nose tackle position and not necessarily the ends. Because, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll get to another guy who's – a couple other guys who we think can be pretty good defensive ends uh, on this line. But purely from that tackle perspective, I think he could be, or at least the case could be made, and that's significant because, Jared, what – have we talked about and heard consistently <laughs> from Beaver fans? Defensive oh, line, defensive yeah. line, defensive line, defensive line, defensive line, and they're not wrong. No, I mean it's it's a it's they're not they're not a dime a dozen in, in college football. I mean a good defensive lineman is something that all teams treasure. Um, and when you when you can land a guy who's got that frame already and that capability to come in, like you said, and potentially make a pretty quick impact. You can't, you can't take that for granted. And, and yeah, I mean, there's some guys where you could look at and say, well, what about, what about this person? But like you said, man, it's definitely what people ask the most about. They're in high demand. When you can pull them out of Texas, it's, uh, it's impressive. Without a doubt. And again, pulling, pulling kids from Texas, if you're Oregon state, you know, that Beaver fans will get reminded, anybody, you know, anybody, man, te Texas is, is a heck of a football sport. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you talk about we've talked about, you know, Jonathan Smith, the Beavers, you know, California's, you know, that that's their that's their fertile ground. Right. As far as recruiting video, California's got a lot of talent, you know, it has a case every year to be one of the more talented uh, recruiting states. But the next two in line or rather, you know, choose whatever you do is Texas and Florida. And, you know, for Oregon State to, be able to go into, you know, like you said, a powerhouse program, Jared, I mean. Oregon State's defensive coaches went in there. I'd be willing to bet they saw a lot of different apparel and hats at Duncanville when they were walking around, you know, talking to Quincy Wright. And I think that just kind of shows that Jonathan Smith's, you know, message is kind of being perceived even more and it's growing and, you know, all those kind of things that go with it. He's a big time commitment in a lot of ways. So Oregon State's definitely uh, should be excited about uh, Quincy Wright joining the fold tomorrow. But uh, moving right along uh, in the signing class, Tight end Jack Velling is up next, the six foot five, two hundred twenty five pounder, sizable tight end already. Jared, he's kind of already got that frame to compete immediately. Uh, how excited should Beaver fans be about Jack Velling? Yeah, they should be. They should definitely be excited. I mean, he's he's a 
he's a really good player, and he's a guy who's a, a really athletic tight end as well, um, a guy who can, you know, really – if the defense puts a linebacker on him, they're going to wish they didn't. That's all I'm going to say. He's, uh, <laughs> he's got a good mix of size and speed, and, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be a, you know, kind of the same vibe as, as a lot of the, the tight ends they've gotten in the past few classes, maybe jump ball, first down kind of guy. And, uh, you know, he, he gets his job done in the blocking side of things too. So good, good pickup there for sure. Without a doubt. You mentioned it, you know, Oregon state, they, they hang their hat on their tight end being able to block and block in the run game. And you talk about why Oregon state's run game has been so successful under Jonathan Smith. Mm -hmm. Well, because more times than not, they bring in two tight ends and those two tight ends block as well as offensive linemen shout out, shouting out, obviously uh, Tegan Quatoriano and Luke Musgrave, but we saw all this year, Jared, very healthy Jake, or rather Jake Overman saw a very healthy number of snaps this year, kind of as that third guy kind of, you know, getting in the mix every now and again. And, you know, we saw even Tommy Spencer see a few snaps early in the year as well. So Oregon State's really excited about that tight end room. And, you know, Jared, I, I think there's a case to be made that they're, you know, becoming a little mini tight end U of the Pac-12, all respect to Utah, of course. And, <laughs> and um, you know, I think that's kind of a cool little niche they have right now. And, you know, you talk about Jack Belling, a three-star tight end. There's a lot to like about him for sure. But – Moving along, Jared, I don't even know if it's arguable. The stat guru of this class, Takari Hickel, comes in uh, from Tonino, Washington, six foot four, 230 pounds. Jared, have you ever seen a guy, or rather, I'm sure you have, but let me rephrase this. Have you covered in recruiting a guy that has put up as insane in the best way stats that Takari's put up this year? Let me tell you what I've definitely – I mean, the answer to your question is, is probably not. Um, there's been some guys close, but let me tell you what I definitely haven't seen uh, before that Takari's done, and that is a defensive lineman rush for 400 yards. I can promise you I've never seen that, and I may never even be able to say that again. Um, he's he, – <laughs> like you said, he's, a, he's definitely a, a stat pattern. I don't think he does it on purpose either. Tonino – runs the ball 99% of the time. I think the game that he had 408 yards, he had a teammate that had over 200 as well. And oh, I remember, goodness. I remember oh. him asking, or I remember asking him, I was like, first of all, are those real? Is that real numbers? And he was like, yes, yes, they are. And then I said, did y'all throw a single pass? And I, I, if I remember correctly, he said they didn't. Um, so he's pulling a, he's pulling a Mac Jones, almost a little Bell yeah. Belichick going on there. Come on. Right. I like yeah. that. Exactly. And then that same game, you know, he, he, he's got seven tackles and two tackles for loss and two sacks. So kind of like you said, man, he's, he's all over the place. I don't, I mean, I just don't know how you can have the energy for that. Um, but we'll certainly hope that he can translate it to the college level as well. They may want to work on some of the, like maybe getting a little bit of weight on him. Um, but his size is, is really, really good. He's got the, the, the frame for it um, and certainly obviously has the athletic ability to be, to be a really, really good defensive end. So I'm excited to see what the staff can do with him, and hopefully, again, he'll be able to translate a lot of that to, uh, to the Power 5 level. Without a doubt, you know, you, you hit on a lot of great things and, you know, it's he, he's he's an exciting player and someone that, you know, we talked about a little bit on the damn board earlier this week, you know, questions, you know, about his size. And it's interesting because at his size, he 
could, and that's why I say could because it's been done in the past, still be that kind of defensive end, maybe a little, you know, add on some weight, or he could be more of kind of a hybrid edge rusher kind of a guy and, you know, maintain his speed. So I really like just the versatility that he's going to bring. He can play a couple different positions. And when you talk about a guy who's got a nose for kind of being able to, you know, get in the backfield as a defensive lineman or just kind of have a high motor, that's Takari. And and I'm very excited to see, uh, you know, how quickly he kind of makes his impact known, um, you know, just even uh, at practices and whatnot. So definitely an exciting guy. But moving along, a guy that's a little bit in the same uh, the same mold, a bit of a uh, a two way guy, and uh, uh, a bit of a intriguing prospect, linebacker Cord Shaw coming in from Washington Terrace, Utah. Beavers only commit from uh, from Utah, six foot two, two hundred and five pounds, uh, a little underrated, Jared, but kind of like Takari, a guy that plays both sides and a guy that. You know, I know the coaching staff when when they you know informed us, or rather the recruiting staff kind of let us know that his rec- or commitment was coming down the pipeline. A guy that they see a lot of versatility in. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, another really, really, I mean, again, you're gonna hear me say it time and time again in this class. But there's a lot of there's a lot of versatility, and as you mentioned, Cord is a guy who made plays on both sides of the ball. He he does a lot of running as well. Uh, which I actually didn't know about him until a little bit later on this season. But really versatile guy, another really awesome guy, and, and someone who's been been all in with the beef since his commitment. Excited to see what he can do. I mean, definitely uh, some, some raw talent there that can certainly be developed into a, a player who can make some waves uh, at Oregon State. Yeah, definitely. And I think, again, it's kind of interesting that he's kind of a lone guy from Utah. We see Oregon State recruit the state a little bit. You know, you look at a guy like uh, O'Marion Paul Moy from last year, uh, mm-hmm. If I'm remembering that correctly, Jared, he came from West Salt Lake, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just another, I don't know. I, I think it's just kind of interesting that, you know, Oregon State's just kind of creeping into Kyle Whittingham's backyard a little bit. You know, it's, uh, you know, Utah can have some talented kids for sure. And I definitely, uh, definitely like Oregon State's reach. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the podcast, you know, the, it's not just a bunch of guys from California or a bunch of guys, you know, from Oregon. It's, it really is, you know, a, a nice mix of guys from a bunch of different places. And um, obviously, Cord Shaw coming from Washington Terrace, uh, excited what he's going to bring uh, to the table. But another, another right cool along- thing, too, oh, about, about him was the way that he actually got into the class and got his offer and everything. It's not, not a story you hear super often. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will probably know the story from reading it a couple of times on the site. But for, for anybody who doesn't know, Courtshaw was told you have five days to get to Oregon State. And if you do, and we like what we see, we'll give you an offer. And, and he did exactly that. Got up there, did, did a workout for the staff. And, uh, you know, got, he got his offer. And he, he says he knew right away that, uh, that Oregon State was the place for him. Obviously, his commitment came a, a month later. But just a really cool story uh, for him that's, as well. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, that's, that's, that's the story is that you love to hear. And, you know, obviously uh, – Core definitely, uh, you know, he, he got it. He got the wheels in motion and got up to Corvallis and, you know, the rest is history, obviously, as he uh, committed to Oregon State uh, in uh, July. But moving right along uh, in the class, as we got a few more names still to, still to go, Matthias Malachi Donaldson, the defensive end from Westlake Village, California. Jared, this, his commitment was extremely intriguing to me simply for the fact that he had a big-time offer sheet. 
He did. He did. He definitely did. And I mean, he was a guy that was getting a lot of coverage nationally. Um, people from from my my parts of the other country interested in him. So and a, a fantastic pickup. Got a late offer from USC, obviously prior to to the the kind of Lincoln Riley situation there. Um, but still, Oregon State able to to hold them off, keep his commitment, um, and somebody who could still be underrated, even as a 5.73 star. Uh, another guy who's super athletic, uh, going to make a really good defensive end at the next level. Without a doubt. And, you know, it's interesting kind of comparing him and uh, Takari Hickel, you know, Matthias 6'5", 220, Takari 6'4", 230. It's going to be interesting because I think those guys are a little bit similar in the sense, Jared, that they, they could grow into defensive linemen or they could kind of grow into that outside linebacker, edge rusher kind of a thing. So – just to say it for the, I don't know, bazillion time in this podcast, Jared, versatility. It's almost like that's what the Beavers were looking for within this class. It's safe to say it for sure. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't know if, 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 I, if you've heard Jonathan Smith say it for sure, but it would certainly appear that way. Yeah, I, I would imagine that when we get a chance to talk to him tomorrow, obviously he's going to be live from uh, Los Angeles, not, uh, not, in the, not at Reister Stadium, talking about the signing day tomorrow. Yeah. Which is really interesting, Jared, because I can't tell you the last time that an Oregon State coach, maybe ever, didn't do a signing day from, like, Reister Stadium. Yeah, like, just the, ti- the timing of it's very unique. I mean, I even go back to, obviously, the, the, the COVID 2020 year. I mean, you know, we weren't there, but Jonathan Smith was still there. This bowl game just, you know, adds another wrinkle, like, signing day on the road. You know, you're, you know, the fax machine isn't quite the thing anymore, Jared, like it used to be, but still, you know, kind of intriguing to be, and probably stressful a little bit to an extent to kind of be away from home base as all this is kind of coming in. Well, it's a good, it's a good problem to have and hopefully one that for, for years to come. <laughs> Without quite, well, I tell you what, I tell you one thing, Morgan's like, you, you might not hear it now, but like in February or whatever, it'd be like, so, Coach Smith, if you, if you could have got a bowl game a little bit later, would you? And I think he's kind of said it without saying it. He's like, yeah, we're super excited, as they should be, to get back to a bowl game. But, you know, the timing's a little, little tougher. But, you know, the Beavers are taking it in stride, and they're, you know, keeping things positive. So let's move uh, right along in the list. we got four names uh, left to go through. Offensive lineman Nathan Elu comes in next uh, from San Mateo, California, six foot five. 292 pounder Jared this is uh, another guy that was intriguing to me simply for the fact that he's got very similar to like Dylan Lopez and Quincy Wright he's frame wise and size wise division one ready yeah no doubt and his I think his mindset is uh is division one ready too he's he's definitely wiser than than most people his age and, and you can tell you can tell that by talking to him he gives a lot of credit to his to his family and his coaches for uh, for getting him to the point he's at plays on a fantastic football team by the way it, it uh it's sarah and they just finished finished off their season i think 10 and 2 um so really good team there and uh elu obviously being being a big big reason for a lot of their success it was a, a long process for him um, I think I think Oregon State was recruiting him since the beginning of the year. Obviously, didn't offer until later, um, but good good recruiting process there. Obviously, the staff did their due diligence on him, and uh, like you said, he's he's got the he's got the size. It's just going to be about the coaching and see if he he can make an impact. 
without a doubt. And, you know, again, he, he, he's, he's a guy again that I think is uh, maybe a little underrated and I think uh, can definitely uh, fit into the mix real early uh, with Jim Mahalchuk and company uh, up next, Ryan Cooper, defensive back from San Mateo, California, uh, Juco coming in uh, six foot, 180 pounds. I just wrote about Ryan the other day. Uh, just from, from, from my perspective, he's a guy who I think the Beavers are going to trust right away coming from San Mateo. Um, you know, you look back to Alton Julian who came out of that Juco program and uh, Skylar Thomas, who right before, like he was going to go to San Mateo before Oregon state came in and offered him. So a program, the Beavers are really high on Jared. And that leads me to believe they're going to trust this kid really early. Yeah, man, he's a, he's a great player. And obviously we don't need to say it. Everybody's seen what coach blue is able to do with these Juco guys. Um, seems like that's that's almost his bread and butter at this point. Um, so exciting to have another one of those guys in the fold. Um, as you mentioned, Ryan Cooper, definitely uh, a good good guy who they have the ability to potentially give some responsibility to right away. Um, certainly will want to, to see if that's the case, just given the fact that he'll have less eligibility. But uh, a really, really good guy, really good size, really good frame. Um, and certainly someone who hopefully will, will be able to, to contribute right away alongside the other JUCO defensive backs in that secondary. Without a doubt. And uh, up next, sticking with the defensive backs. So one of Oregon State's perhaps most impressive uh, flips of this recruiting class, Noble mm -hmm. Thomas Jr., the defensive back from Orange City, Florida, another Floridian coming over, uh, six foot, 182 pounds. They flipped him from Iowa State, Jared, another guy with, a very sizable offer sheet. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on him, how the Beavers maybe were able to make the flip when they did. And, you know, just kind of talking about the list. I mean, you look at some good teams. Um, Boston College is in there. Iowa State, obviously. Ole Miss had an offer. Mississippi State had an offer. Wake Forest, they had a big year. They had an offer. West Virginia. And he chose to come cross country. Tell us a little bit more why. Yeah, man, it's 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 interesting. Iowa State is a is a great a great school to flip somebody from. They've mm -hmm. had a lot of success in recent years, um, and I think that that this is is going to ultimately end up being a, a someone who wish they wish they would have uh, maybe tried a little harder to keep. Um, yeah. A really really good player who Oregon State was on well before his commitment to Iowa State um, earned that visit from him in June, right after the dead period ended. And there was definitely a lot of interest there. I think a lot of people would have said that Oregon State was was right there in the mix, along with with Boston College and um, and and the others. I think I think at that time it was it was Boston College and let's just say West Virginia, who uh, who he was super interested in at that time. Um, obviously, eventually trimmed that list down to six, and uh, and Oregon State. Ended up, even though it didn't look like it would go that way at first, ended up being the one to uh, to get that national letter of intent, assuming that uh, as the at the time you guys are hearing this, that's already happened. <laughs> Without a doubt. And, you know, he's one of those guys that a very talented kind of like addition late. And, you know, when they flipped him, it was kind of one of those really like, you know, oh, wow, that's kind of an impressive flip for you, as you mentioned. And you look at his offer sheet, a guy that I think is, is very talented and going to be, you know, um, someone that Blue Adams can definitely uh, get the most out of. And I'm, I'm very excited for what Noble Thomas uh, can do. And that brings us to our last commitment of the night. Sam Mason, the defensive back from Covina, California, six foot two, 175 pounds. 
Jared, he committed at midnight uh, the night of his birthday uh, is Oregon State's most recent commit as of recording this podcast. A guy that, as we mentioned, listed at wide receiver right now currently. He's expected to play defensive back, though. Yeah, yeah, certainly. He's a, he's a really, really good addition. Um, obviously athletic, given the fact that, like you said, plays, plays wide receiver and defensive back uh, for, for Charter Oak. A guy who, again, has a really, really strong offer list. Um, when you see Michigan and Michigan State involved, um, one being a playoff team and the other who's, who's maybe a game away, you definitely know that you're competing with some big dogs. And uh, I, I'm, it really excites me to see that. I think Oregon State is, uh, is really starting to trend up, at, you know, as we get to the final player of this. I think they're really starting to, to do the right things um, and start to, you know, say the right things to a lot of these guys. And you talked about it you know, in the press conferences with the coaches, you can just see it on their face, how excited they are about recruiting. And I'm sure the kids can see it as well. And uh, Sam Mason, another really great late addition. Another guy who was on an official visit at the Washington game, man. Talk about that that game being a, an mm. impact game for, for the 2022-2023 recruiting classes. Yes. I mean, there's been, I think, four or five commits from that game alone and, and still some other targets left as well. So, you hear us talk about how important these officials are and, and how yep. it is to have these well, kids on campus for games like that, man. It's huge. Without a doubt, Jared, and you have to imagine, like, any Oregon State commit or recruit or prospect or what have you that went to Reese Stadium this year, they didn't see a loss. Absolutely. I mean, like, that, that, that's a big part of it. It certainly is, and, and it definitely helps, you know, sell the message like we, me and you were talking about the other day. Um you know that they they're allowed to to now change that message from hey, this is what we're doing to this is now what we've done and here's what right. we're going to continue to do and that makes a difference it really does it's, it, it proves that you're not just a uh, a salesman and that you're actually going to walk the walk as well, without a doubt and you know you you said it best it's not you know a couple of years ago where you know Jonathan Smith and his staff are like hey buy in now we'll get there now it's hey we're where we said we'd be ish. I mean, maybe take out the, the odd, weird 2020 year that, that we all had, especially the football team. But we're on schedule-ish where we thought we'd be. And then kind of like, you know, the mid-level bar, like this is where we are. We're going to say it's not satisfied. And I think that's where the recruiting message is continuing to grow is, hey, we made a bowl game this year. You can make us even more better. And I think, you know, that's, that's definitely something that is uh, hitting home on the recruiting trail for sure. So, Make sure to stay tuned to Beaver's Edge for all of that recruiting stuff. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have wall-to-wall coverage, uh, obviously, all day uh, Wednesday as we cover National Signing Day in detail. But real quick, just to wrap up the podcast, we want to go ahead and preview the L.A. Bowl against Utah State as uh, got a big-time matchup this weekend uh, down in Los Angeles with the Aggies at SoFi Stadium. Yours truly will hopefully be there as long as uh, everything goes according to plan, getting down to uh, – um, getting down to California, but Jared, just kind of, I'm curious what your initial thoughts on the, uh, what your initial thoughts are on this game. Now that you've had some time to kind of digest Utah state and kind of look at them in a real general sense, what are your, what's your vibe of this game? Just kind of early on. I think it's going to be super competitive, man. I think, uh, I think Utah state is a really, really good football team. And I think a lot of people probably look over them because they're in the mountain West. Um, but <laughs> I know some people who went to Utah State, and, and I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of their experiences watching watching their football games. 
And obviously their their results speak for themselves. I mean, the past couple of years, they've been a pretty good football team, especially this year, obviously getting themselves in a situation to play Oregon State. So I, I'm super excited for the game. I think it's ultimately two pretty, pretty evenly matched teams, man. And, and I think uh, both teams super talented. I think Utah State's really well coached as well. Um, so ultimately, I think it's going to come down to, you know, who, who can coach better and, you know, wh which guys are willing to, to make the plays. I, I don't want to give any keys or anything because, you know, the keys at this point of the year kind of are always the same, right? It's, it's always just protect the football, play fundamental football, you know, just <laughs> in a sense, play better than your opponent. I mean, that's, that's really all it takes. Right. Um, but Utah State is not a team that you can just look at and, and, and trust that that's going to happen right away. There's definitely going to have to be some things that go their way. So it's, it's going to be a fun game, man. I'm excited for it. Without a doubt. And, you know, it's, it's, it is going to be a great matchup. And, you know, I'm excited for it in the sense that, you know, it's two teams that, you know, uh, you know, are, are really excited for this bowl game themselves. You know, obviously Oregon State getting back for the first time since 2013 and uh, Utah State knocking off San Diego State in blowout fashion to reach the game. Jared, I was reminded of this, though, earlier today. As a head coach, Jonathan Smith is 2-0 and in the city of Los Angeles. Interesting. I so, guess the case, huh? taking the win over UCLA in yep. pretty, I think it's safe to say, blowout fashion, and then beating USC this year. Arguably, Oregon's not even, it's not even arguable, Jared. Oregon State's best road game by far, by far. Um, as I, you know, you know, you, you look at it, that's, that was, I think when Oregon state was firing on all cylinders, arguably at, at maybe no other point this season was when they beat USC down there on the Coliseum. So something interesting there, you know, Jonathan Smith being a, 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 a Southern California guy, him having a lot of family down there, Jared, we've talked about it at length. I'd be willing to bet just by roughly guessing that about seven, 60 to 70% of this team is from California as currently constructed, maybe a little less, maybe a little bit more. Where, do you think that's close? Yeah, that's probably, that's probably pretty accurate. And for, yeah, and for those guys to be able to come home and be able to go back, I, I think it's always a really cool deal. And I think that's why we've seen Oregon State play well, you know, going back to even 2019, there were awesome, there were guys that were really excited to go back and play as well. Um, the interesting thing, though, Jared, looking at some of the common opponents, Utah State beat Washington State 26-23 to open the year. And I remember at the time, everyone was like, oh, my goodness, you know, the Cougars are not the Cougars. And in reality, Jared, you look back and that loss to Washington State's not, you know, horrible in the sense that Utah State went on to have a pretty good year. Um, outside of uh, that Washington State game, the only other common opponent was uh, Hawaii, where uh, Utah State was able to beat Hawaii 51 to 31. But for the most part, uh, very consistent season. They won the games they were supposed to win. Uh, a couple close games against UNLV and Colorado State in the middle of the year, but then they kind of turned it on after that. A lopsided loss to Wyoming that kind of is a bit of the outlier within their schedule. Um, a 14 point loss to BYU, which we know BYU is a very good program. And a 24-point uh, loss to Boise State. But most recently, as I just mentioned, a 46-13 to 13 romp over San Diego yeah. State. I mean, Jared, that game wasn't even close. Yeah, I mean, not to, to take anything away from them, I do think that San Diego State was a little shorthand in that game. I think they had a little, little injury bug prior. 
but absolutely. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, did, I didn't catch that. So there, there you go. There you go. Still, still a super impressive resume. And again, I don't want to take anything away from them. And I, I certainly don't want Oregon State fans to, to overlook their <laughs> in the L.A. Bowl because this, this team is legit, man. They have, they have a fantastic offense, um, which is something you and I talked about earlier. They can run the ball and they can dang sure throw the ball. Uh, so Oregon State's defense uh, is going to have to be special. I mean, talk about a, a big task. For Coach Bray and his his first challenge as a as a defensive coordinator, I mean it's going to be it's going to be a true challenge. And and if they're able to answer that call and put up some points, uh, then they they'll certainly you know have a, have a good chance of, of taking it home. But they're going to have to play really good. I'm not going to lie. Without a doubt, and you know Oregon State as right now uh, currently a seven point favorite per the uh, the Vegas odds makers over the Utah State Aggies. And again. Make sure to stick with beaversedge.com. And I'll be down in L.A. Uh, from SoFi Stadium bringing you all coverage uh, of Oregon State's contest. going to be an exciting matchup, 4.30 uh, Pacific time on ABC. Jared, that alone, those three letters, ABC, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Hey, what that means to me is that I'll be able to watch it. So <laughs> you bet you tell I'm excited for it. It's just, it, it, you know, maybe call me, you know, cliche or whatever it is, but I always found that to be really, really cool as a kid because, you know, you never, you know, you look at it, not everyone has Fox Sports 1 nationally. Not everyone has, well, we know for a fact, not everyone has Pac-12, but that, that's a whole different, whole different can of worms. But, you know, not necessarily even the most like, ba- you know, you, I think most basic cable has ESPN, but, you know, not always. Jared, it's pretty easy to find ABC. If you have a, a, a television tuner, you can get ABC. And, you know, it's like the other big networks, you know, CBS, NBC. It's a cool deal. And obviously, in a big-time stadium, the first L.A. Bowl, you know, the Beavers get to do all the cool Jimmy Kimmel stuff and everything that goes along with it. It's an opportunity to showcase the program on a national stage. And that cannot be understated, being one of the first bowl games you know everyone's going to be tuning in, being like, "Oh, bowl season started," and I, this is Oregon State's time to shine. It is, man. National TV, like you were, like you were getting at, is, is no joke. And anytime you get the opportunity uh, to play, it certainly adds another element to the preparation and, and just to the game period, knowing that the entire nation is going to be watching. And you know, just to, to to finish on a recruiting note, the same way we we kind of started. It gives a lot of the guys who, like you said, may not have the opportunity to watch every week an opportunity. Mm. Uh, Very true. For, Very true. Not only for the guys who, who, as you mentioned, are committed in this class uh, from, from a little bit further out, but for the future targets as well. It's important. And uh, it's, time, it's time to set the tone. It definitely is time to set the tone. I think, I think that's something that the players have talked about a lot as they prepare for this game. It's just this game has the opportunity to set the tone for 2022 as well. And uh, I, I, I trust – Jonathan Smith's preparation of the team. And, uh, again, they've, they've certainly have a, a big, big uh, contest and a big, big challenge standing in their way, but hopefully they can get the job done. Without a doubt. And, and again, that's a great point, Jared. And, you know, it's, it's going to be exciting. And that's the most, that's the most uh, you know, kind of exciting thing for me is that it's going to be a big-time game, big-time atmosphere. And Oregon State's had a couple weeks to kind of stew on that, that, that loss to, to Oregon. And, you know, that, as we know, that game kind of ended in a real, how should I say this, emotional way. 
Um, you know, there were, there were a lot of emotions on that field as the Beavers were leaving and whatnot. And I think that's going to parlay into this. And we talk about, you know, Jared said the news of NSD obviously coming up and then Trent Bray getting the interim tag removed. Just a lot of really, you know, positive vibes heading into this game for Oregon State. And I think, as Jared said, they're definitely going to be ready to, uh, to rise to the occasion. So that'll go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Edge podcast. Make sure to stay tuned all week long as we'll have National Signing Day content. We'll have our staff predictions uh, for this game. Uh, I'll be down in L.A., obviously, bringing the, you guys coverage. And uh, Jared will have the uh, Jared and I both will have the recruiting piece dialed in these next couple days to tide you guys over until we get to the L.A. Bowl. It's going to be a busy week. There's no better place to be than BeaversEdge.com. And while we're at it, got to throw out, we got a 30-day promo going right now. You want to join? See what we got? All of our premium recruiting coverage. Join the damn board. Be able to talk about uh, Oregon State with your friends. Join free for 30 days. Just head on over to the landing page at BeaversEdge.com. So for Jared Hollis, this is Brendan Slaughter signing off on this edition of the Edge Podcast.